Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind with myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in their upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Uh, before we get on to any rugby in that, we'll keep this one outside of rugby thing, but I will warn uh, listeners, strap in, put on the flak jacket and the metal hat. This is going to get hairy tonight. What have you been up to this week, Tom? Well, I won't be getting hairy, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish I wish I could. I wish I could. <laughs> uh, I've uh, well this weekend. Um, I was. I've been telling you that I've been. I've been going to the gym, and trying to get myself, you know, back Progress. into shape Updated. and stuff. Right. Progress update. It isn't going well. Right. It isn't going well. The idea that I'm going to lose weight is just an idea at the moment. So I'm over the last couple of weeks, I've been finding myself kind of becoming a little bit bait into my jeans. You understand what that means? I'm like, I'm like, I'm coming in. And I'm just like, Jesus is a bit tight, a bit uncomfortable. You can beat away, but there we go. So anyway, I'm coming in the, the, the closet here where I, I keep my jeans or they're in there in, in there. So the lads can see it right there. For those of you just listening, Tom is just showing us his closet. That's the closet there. <laughs> so I go in there and I'm like, I'm looking through the jeans and just like, well, no, I'm kind of half bait into that one. I'm going to half bait into that one. I'm going to be driving today. So I just I want to you know, be, be a little bit more comfortable. So I'm looking at it anyway and I see, what is it, a pair of jeans? They look okay. So I put them on anyway and I was like, Jesus, these these must be fucking old jeans. Because I'm like, God, I might even fit nice into these now. They're really fucking stretchy the whole lot. This is fucking brilliant. So I go into herself. I'm just like, look at these, look. I'm fitting into these great and I'm lifting my leg up and I was like they're so fucking comfy and she was looking at me for a second and she was like are they my jeans I'm looking down and I'm like are, are they and she goes let me have a look at the back there so she looks pulls and looks at the back and she's like they are my fucking jeans <laughs> and she was fucking breaking her whole laughing I'm just like what because like a woman's waist like and that's where I'm at. And she was like, you'll be wearing my fucking tongs next. This podcast took a turn. And I was just like, never saw that. that now I need to lose weight in the worst possible way. What I might do is I might rewatch the weekend's game and just be sickened all over again. And I won't want to eat all those lovely pretzels and all those lovely other things. Food. It's a curse. Jeff, how was your week? Um, fine, to be honest. Like I have no news. No news, nothing. Right, I tried. I tried. I tried to talk to you last week, and you ignored me. So tell the tell I... the tell the audience what shirt you're wearing. I'm wearing a green t-shirt. What's on the green t-shirt? It's on me. What, what's what's on the green t-shirt? It's one of my t-shirts. He's wearing his own merch. Well, like. I... <laughs> I had to get changed for this podcast and it was on top of the laundry basket. So I took it because the last time I came on this podcast after work, you both took the piss saying, oh, look, look at the teacher, look at the big teacher jumper on him. So the last thing I wanted was that. And now look where I am. Um, I'm going to come on this podcast next week with no T-shirt on. And yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> make make that the live one with the old, we, we, we'll get that streaming live into the video like we've never talked about. I can't, I can't, I can't. We, we need to hit the, the, the female <laughs> listenership. <laughs> that yeah, this, this one's going, going after, uh, uh, after 10 because this one's getting a little blue. 
I can't believe Owen's wearing his Leinster t-shirt tonight. After it's really, it really suits him actually. I like the, the blue really brings like, out your eyes. He's such my, he's my, so my fickle. My beloved like. Leinster. He's so fickle. He wore the lines one there two weeks ago or three weeks, whatever it was, and now he's here in a Leinster t-shirt as well. And like I, 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 every week, I'm just in my full monster kit, like jersey, shorts, <laughs> the socks. Open, Raj might jump on the call. <laughs> Hi, Ronan. Come on, Raj, please, please call me. <laughs> How was your weekend, Owen? What did you do? Uh, I didn't do an awful lot this weekend. Um, how, was, how was the children's fight club coming along? That was cut short. We've had COVID in the house, so uh, we've been uh, isolating a little bit, so we, we haven't been able to do too much. So Just, tra- uh, just a training camp. Yeah, it's it's been like rocky outside, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm lifting sort of that uh, bags of peep and stuff like that outside in the garden to keep her going. Um, no, I've been trying to improve my mood since the weekend by listening to some music. Um, and, oh, yeah. What are you listening to? Well, normally I'd listen to sort of 90s rave music, but even that's not doing it for, for me at the moment. So I had to, to dig deep into my ecclesiastical tastes and I've been listening to... Um, Girl bands. Is ecclesiastical and, not? Uh, that's like eclectic, eclectic, eclectic. would be like that. Would be an ecclesiastical matter, isn't that? Ecumen- ecumenical. Oh, ecumenical. Oh, that, what's ecclesiastical? That reminds me. I think right. ecclesiastical is religious as well, though, isn't oh. it? Yeah, I, I used to be on the altar when I was younger. I'm not sure if any of you lads were. Right, I used to be an I altar was boy. Never an altar boy, no. No, I was an altar boy when I was younger. I was an altar boy captain. By the way, recognize who you're talking to here. Did you give an altar boy captain before this? Is that captain like the mafia captain? Captain like <laughs> material here on the altar boy, right? Um, and <laughs> I because like again, like your my mother would be there, like is in just like you know, laser eyes in the corner, like no messing or nothing, right? So I was all generally very good for that. And uh, <laughs> uh there was the a new parish priest came in, and typically our parish priest at the time didn't really sing during mass at all, and uh mass was going on as normal it was all fine um and then the parish priest during one bit of the mass just goes true him with him in him in the unit and i just lost it laughing like just lost it laughing just couldn't stop just was like heaving do all all priests learn to sing i don't know singing priests all priests do sing like when you think about it well i'd never heard it before and then he just kind of starts off this old priest kind of comes up and he just starts busting out with this kind of falsetto and I was that that was me gone. You, Unbecoming you of an altar boy captain. You had no beatbox in the background to help him along or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have an armband going out and everything? I would walk out first. <laughs> like, C on it. <laughs> but I but I can't but I, I, I created I created a bell ringing technique that they still use to this day in the church. Look at that chalice work. Effortless. Look at that, look at that chalice work. Fucking outstanding. <laughs> But when you like, because there was a bell, right? When you'd hammer the bell, it would start vibrating and it'd be an ugly noise. But if it's got three legs and you rise it up onto one leg, the bong will be really nice and there won't be any vibrating noise because all the vibration will go into one of the legs. So there you go. Don't say you never learn anything listening to Provincial State of Mind. Do you want to ring a bell on there? You're an altar boy captain. No more clangage on the bell. Just nice bongs for everybody. Nice right, bongs some for real. Everyone. Yeah, we're hitting some real niche targets here, target markets in this. The old, the old boy demographic is really going to hit the spike this week. True him. Can we, can we make that the intro? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, will we close with that? <laughs> in the unity of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>
god. All glory and honor is yours. This is Almighty. way better than the rugby at the weekend. This is way better. Almighty Father, forever and ever. And it was just like, why is this so funny? And I, can, I still remember it now. Like, this is decades later. And I still just remember, like, isn't just like almost like going. Because I was just wasn't expecting it. So if you ever want to pop me, if I'm, if I'm somewhere where I'm live on the radio, just start singing that song behind me, and I'm gone. <laughs> right. I think we'll we'll move on from that. Um, we'll we don't have to talk about rugby. rugby next, do we? No, oh, we God. do. Unf- unfortunately, oh, no. <laughs> and I have some lovely half-used pens in my hands. If you oh my like God! No, please. <laughs> so as as we warned at the top of the the podcast. Uh, do strap yourselves in. This is not going to be pretty. Um, we'll kick off with the the main game, Munster versus Leinster. Leinster beat Munster 34-19, scoring four tries in a convincing win at Tolmond Park on Saturday evening. That's 12 games Munster have played Leinster since Johan van Graan took over in November 2017, and they've only won twice. The Rainbow Cup group game in the RDS last season and in 2018, when Leinster got two yellows and a red card at Tolman Park, they're the only two wins. That's so, so bleak. That that's beyond bleak. If, right? Sorry, so, I, I'll, I'll clarify that. Like, if you're a Munster fan, if you're a Leinster fan, you were probably sitting at home giggling. If you're a Munster uh, fan, that is a so. Few, uh, and, a, and a Munster player or a Leinster player or coach, yeah. laughing your head a off. Co- a couple you? of weeks ago, we talked about was it Roy Keane and I think we were talking about Scotland and Ireland's view on Scotland Leinster I think must have the same view in terms of Munster well, right, right it's, it's so, like. and r- rightfully so the results back it up so I think like the real question is how much of an ass whooping was this Tom do you want to kick it off um, I was watching this game on TV thanks be to God I didn't go in um, to cover this in the stadium imagine you were doing comms on this one <laughs> Oh my god! Um, Bleep machine. You the, like, Dan Mooney, take it all. I cannot deal. Bleep machine. I've sworn on air before, and I do it again. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I was watching this game, and I think, uh, I think it was Bernard Jackman doing comms with. I'm not sure who it was. At the end, he was speaking about um, that. Uh, you know, monster show great spirit here, and I got the remote control, and I turned the TV off. The shame of it. To be beaten out the gate at home and to have a former Leinster player doing co-coms talking about Munster showing good spirit, losing at home with a bonus point in front of 20-odd thousand people in Thomond Park who paid good money to be in those tickets, to be in those seats and maybe paid the guts of two euro a litre to drive for hours from Cork or Waterford or wherever else, or even from just fucking Kerry. To be there to watch that and it just summed it all up for me that um this was shocking um and it's like i've had a lot of people since then um on uh, my website three rakings.com patreon.com forward slash three kings <laughs> emailing me <laughs> and they're talking right they're saying i've been in i was a season ticket holder a member of the mrsc and we're after that i'm considering the money i spend every year to come to games like this because it's making me miserable to watch this people walking out of the stadium angry and sad 
And the, the idea that it's just another game against Leinster, it's not. And especially after a game like that, where you lose so comprehensively and know full well that Leinster rolled out of the Autotoma Park after that. And they were just like laughing their heads off going home, knowing they didn't have to wheel out the big guns for this. Not really. They didn't have to wheel out their entire box of tricks for this. Not at all. And knowing that if you apply physical pressure to this monster site, they will break and they will do it against Leinster. And that happens. And, and like, that happened out there in this game. People be just like, oh, that's not how it is. You don't know what you're talking about. I watched the game and I had the displeasure of watching this game back three or four times. And that's what happened. Leinster broke Monster physically in Tolman Park. And that is, look, it's not acceptable. And it's like, and, and, and they, they'll know that. Players know this. Coaches know this. I'm not telling any, anything here that they don't know. But it has to change. And I used to cut myself before. This is something that I do, and, and, and maybe you're the same. And when Munster have been looking to try and win something over the last number of years, I keep kind of thinking, asking myself kind of time questions. Like, are we Munster in 2003 now? Or are we Leinster in 2006? Or are, like, or are we, um, or, or are we um, uh, Munster in you know, 2008? Or are we Leinster in 2009? Is that what we are? And I honestly, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, I work, <coughs> excuse me, geez, I'll try that again. A fella I work with um, today, uh, I hadn't actually seen him since the game. And he said, did you watch the game at the weekend? The Munster-Leinster game? I says, I did. We won't mention the war. And he goes, did you think it was that bad? And I started with the statistics we actually started with at the start that Ross Byrne has only ever lost to, has only lost once against Munster. And I say, look at it this way. We were nearly going in at the half ahead until Leinster got a drive on the scrum, turned over the ball, got pressure, kicked three, and they went in ahead. And he was like, yeah, but the game was still in the balance. And I said, but was it? Because the only points we had came from four Leinster penalties. If you erase that in discipline, which Leinster did in the second half, we had nothing. And like I used we there because I'm referring to the conversation earlier, so we don't have to, you know, call that one out. But I said, if you take that, if you take those four penalties away that we kicked in the in the first half, we didn't have anything. And your man was like, "Do you think so?" And I said, "Look, look at the second half. We got absolutely bullied everywhere." And he said, that's actually a fair point. Um, and then he asked me another question. He said, Monster fans seem more disappointed in this one than previous losses. And now the previous losses, unnecessary dig, I felt, but he did. Um, and <laughs> I see Tom laughing there. Yeah, I was kind of like in my own head. I was like, there was no need for that one. It's like, but, I'm, uh, I'm finding slights. It's just like, oh, okay, that's how it is. Okay. <laughs> But he said, you can't say shit. That's the problem. He said, Munster fans seem more disappointed than previous losses. And I was like, that's because there was a level of violence that was allowed in the game. And I don't mean violence like as in thumping fellas or looking to hurt, like, like intentionally hurt people. Like, I mean, violence as in collisions. I mean, as in the tackle, running lines, everything like. And he, I was like, there was a level of violence that was allowed in the game by the referee and Munster weren't willing to go to the same level as Leinster were. And you have to ask why. And as a fan, you're either sitting at home or you're sitting in the stadium and you're saying to yourself, Fucking do something. Like, why aren't you reacting to this kind of thing? And that's almost as frustrating as the loss is because you're looking at what's allowed in the game 
you're looking at what the referee's letting go. And by the way, full credit to Leinster, they focused entirely on themselves. They said, we're allowed to do this, but we're going to do that. So, and Munster just didn't. And I don't understand why if the referee shows early on, like it's, you know, open season here on this, go nuts, why you wouldn't go nuts. I, I was actually embarrassed watching it, particularly in the second half. Um, there was a level of apathy afterwards and just disappointment. But I was embarrassed looking at it because at times it looked like a training run in Carton House where, as we've seen, Leinster are the Ireland teams. And you're looking at a situation where it looked like Munster were the tackle bag holders and they they were almost afraid to go at them and and do any damage to them in case something happened and it was it was just embarrassing there was no level of fight there was nothing back into it and i've i've said for a while now and i talked about it previously and i posted up back in december when um munster played castaway in the south of france uh, Coombe scored a try with two minutes to go and I've said for a while that these one-off performances these sort of things are disguising the real problems within Munster there is a culture problem as we said two wins in 12 so that's two wins in what last five seasons against Leinster just not good enough there's there there is not even there's not even a, a punch been thrown in anger there hasn't been a a sort of a, a, a decent fight put up in terms of attack it seems to be the real one that gets to me is that they're they haven't been able to actually put together something a plan that would actually attack and look like they could even win against it and let's not kid ourselves that wasn't a leinster first team either on top of that one like we've said for a while now and like it's been proven that the way to beat leinster is just beat them up top or beat, beat up their front five get a platform on the pack and literally kind of everything else will take care of itself. Didn't happen. Yeah. But Munster don't have the players. Munster don't have the type five players, particularly the front row players, no matter what way we look at it. It's just not there. And I want to make one, one more point on this is the, re- the really, really sad thing when you're talking about Munster, and it, this needs, needs to be heard properly. The beam counters were happy at the RFU and at Munster to extend to extend Van Graan's contract with that record of mediocrity. So what, what are the corporate goals? What, what keeps him in his job? Is it the 80% win rate over the league overall? Get a home knockout game or two, get the gate receipts up to keep the, the RFU happy on their loan repayments. Is that it? Is, is that the minimum thing? Because as long as those things are kept at that level, then guys like these performances will continue on and you, you, you Munster won't become any closer at trying to, to get back to winning silverware because they'll, they'll meet the bare minimum to get it, to get into those sort of um, corporate goals. I mean, like you have to go back to someone like Matt O'Connor at Leinster before Leo took over first season, he wins the pro 12 second season. He gets to a champions cup semi-final. I think it was against two. I think they even went to extra time and they sacked him. They sacked him on the back of that. If he's in Munster, they'd be fucking building fucking statues out the front to him for stuff like that. You know, but 
there's a different culture at Leinster now. And to be honest with you, what Munster need, and I don't, I've said beforehand, I don't know who the new director of rugby is, but Munster need to sort this out quickly. And they need a guy like Cheka to be brought in, same way as Leinster did it, and change the culture because the culture is fucked. There's another reason I was so disappointed watching that Leinster game. Now, obviously, the game aside, but for me this season, a URC was a realistic expectation. Yeah, to not win now. To win domestically. And you can t- we'll talk, we'll, we'll look at Exeter now in a minute. Like, actually, do you know what? I'll say it now. Munster might beat Exeter in that double header. So what? Like, how far are they going to get? And are we going to celebrate getting to a knockout again? But the URC was a realistic expectation. But then you see Leinster come to Limerick like they did. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, we're going to win anything. Yeah, like, because I remember like saying to myself beforehand that looking at that, the starting Leinster front five, would Munster be able to stack up with those guys and kind of, you know, build a lead? Come on now. Like, this is the thing, like, one of the things you look at it and you're just like, well, being unfair, that's the thing. You don't, you never want to be unfair on guys on, and coaches and players who are working hard. Nobody's saying they're not out there trying or trying their guts out. I think they are. But you look at the performance like that to be bullied so comprehensively at home, to see stuff like Gavin Coombs, right? Um, taken out, a fairly bad clean out, in my opinion, a bad angle. And the reaction from Munster to that guy being one of your key players forced off the field, essentially. What's your reaction to that? Nothing. Nothing. And like, there was an opportunity in the game where, I think it was Niall Scanlon, I think, had an opportunity to put a real shot on Toner. He was rolling on the ground in front of him. I'm not talking about ending guys' careers here or doing any of that. But put a fucking shot in him. Nothing. Pat him on the back instead. Literally. Go back and watch it. Pat him on the back instead. And that kind of uh, summed up to me that Munster looked like a side who were beaten before they walked out. And I think the reason why people are reacting to this so violently is because of what it said that Munster were comfortable and comes to coming into this game and just getting beaten so comprehensively. And so with Leinster pulling up towards the end, but still not conceding. It says it, it said it already. And it just really, I think it, it shook people out of, and, and, and maybe I'm one of them of people who were thinking that, well, there's, there's different bits and pieces you can do. Honestly, I genuinely think if Leinster want to beat this monster side, they will. And Leinster believe that. Leinster believe that deep down inside. They know we we are beating these guys, and they have no fear of Thoman Park. Not not one fear of Thoman Park, and that's a sad place to be. But as we said, why would they have a fear? The record stands for itself, and I, I think maybe we'll, we'll move on. Said I don't want this to become a, a sort of a. <laughs> A, d- a depressing place, but I mean, too late. <laughs> too late, maybe. But I mean, like one one of one of the few positives I think that can come out of the the match for Munster was actually the attitude of the younger players. You know, I I saw you saw um, Kendall come on, and still barely barely out of twenties, still an academy player, 
came on and he he took the fight straight up the guts in there. He was the guy putting, like Caelan Doris, the established Ireland back row player, he was the guy putting him on his ass in the tackle, stealing the ball. Ripping the ball the, off. The, ripping the ball, taking the ball off him. You could see the energy that the likes of Casey brought in when he did it, brought on the, the improvement that happened there and even, even the impact the likes of Tom Ahern had. And I think that that was about the only positive that I could take from that from that match. Like, honestly, that's like, why does it take a 22-year-old scrum half coming on, he's got less than 50 caps from Munster, for him to come on and to be visibly trying to raise guys up and try to get the energy up? That, to Alex, me, was shocking. Alex Kendellan starts against Exeter. Has to. In my has eyes, to. he has. Has well, to. Has to. What, what I mean, what I mean, I'd be surprised if he did, to be honest, but he has to start. Well, I mean, you, you look at who, who they're missing. So Munster are without um, Tygburn, Kilcoyne, Coombs, and Conway. Um, that's what, two, two of the biggest uh, ball carriers in the pack in Kilcoyne yeah. and Coombs, Coombs. The big, the big sort of, I'd call it the big moment player in Burn in terms yeah. of turnovers and things like that. Um, and a bit of quality, and, and particularly on your, your kick chase with Conway. There are four huge losses, and I think you've got to put something in. I I don't know whether Kendellan will start. I think he should do, and I think if you had a coach that was going to be there next season as well, he would. But this is more about Van Gran protecting himself until he gets to the end of the season. I'm going to go think, one further, and even if it is about Van Gran, like I mean. Kendellan has been absolutely sublime in every game he's played so far. From, from in every minute he has played in every game, outstanding, he has been outstanding, genuinely. But even if it is about Van Gran, like protecting a win rate or whatever it is, fucking Kendellan's your man, like yeah, he's like he can win you, he can help you win that game. Same with the likes of a John Hodnett, he can help you win that game. And I think that's what I think that's what makes people so mad because we care. People care. People aren't emailing me because they don't care. Like, I'm not mad still on Tuesday because I don't care. Like, I care, and I want, the, I, I, I want Munster to be better. And seeing that game on, 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 on Saturday, it broke a couple of illusions. Maybe I was codding myself. And that's the thing that, that ma- makes me all, even more mad. But you look at Casey, Kendellan, thought Healy did well when he came on, Ahern, Josh Witcherly put himself about as well. These guys are the future. And not, not just the future, they should be the now also, the today. The this week, yeah, but and, uh, I would I would be surprised to be honest. I think I think also the uh, who is it Haley and Zebo are back training this week as well, and that should add to the back three. I thought the the back three at times, particularly the wingers, got got exposed with Lencer's options and uh, running lines on Saturday, and were were opened up and or and at least conceded a lot of ground, particularly off first phase. And I think if you could get the likes of Haley and Zebo back, it would be a big thing and. Particularly John Klein, because it's going to, it's that's a game for him. But I mean, like, it's a way, it's against Exeter. I know they're in a rebuilding phase at the moment themselves. But with Munster missing those four players in Byrne, Kilcoyne, Coombs, and Conway, I'm nowhere near confident that they'll, that they'll win, that they'll get anything out of this. I think after the two games, Munster will go through. I I think if Munster can get enough players back for the for the second leg, they have a better chance. I think if you, if you can get the likes of maybe uh, 
a Kilcoin or a, a burn back in for the second leg, they should have enough to go through um, and build it up from there. But I, I don't expect them to be within seven points on the, uh, Saturday, this Saturday. Here's the other side of the coin, right? We're talking about Munster there not being able to deal with Leinster physically, like Exeter physical team. Exeter are one of the most physical teams. I don't think that there's I don't a think, problem. I don't think Munster will have a problem going shot for shot with Exeter, though. For some reason, we, we do with Leinster, for whatever reason. I can't tell you why that is. But I think looking at the game on Saturday, I think it's Saturday, you will look at Munster against Exeter, and you'll see Munster being way more physical, way more aggressive. You'll see guys like Omani being super aggressive, other guys like that. That doesn't happen against Leinster for whatever reason. And you would think it would nearly be the opposite, but it's not for whatever reason. I can't tell you why that reason is. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. What I saw on Saturday baffled me because it doesn't make any sense to me. It, doesn't, I, I, it just watching Munster get so physically challenged like that and to do nothing, to literally do nothing, to not react and guys coming in being peacemakers will we doesn't move, scan will doesn't we scan move, to me will we move on to Owen's beloved Leinster do please before, before I have a, well, before, before well, I go bananas here prediction prediction get your predictions I'm saying Munster by somewhere or sorry Exeter by more than seven I'm gonna go and I don't know why probably because it's Europe I'm gonna go Munster I'm going to go with a, a monster win with the type of aggression that we wanted on Saturday, but won't do enough to make me forget Saturday. That's what I think. Okay, on to my beloved Leinster. Uh, the off-field news is that Dan Levy today announced his retirement from professional rugby. Um, he sustained that very serious knee injury against Ulster in 2019. And despite several attempts, and he did get back onto the field, his body just couldn't take it anymore. And similar to the, I suppose, what we saw to Coombs on Saturday night, it does just show how dangerous it is being an actual jackler and being over the ball in the modern game. Um, and moving on to the actual game itself from a Leinster perspective, like it was, it's very impressive from Leinster to come away with a try bonus point and deny Munster any match day points in their home ground. Like, absolutely superb. I thought their the physicality, um, etc., that they brought to it, some of their strike moves and the options that they had were just excellent. They were playing a, a lot of their stuff, like a lot of their moves, the backline moves, particularly maybe not too much of a surprise, were, were very Ireland-like in what they were doing and causing a lot of problems there. Um, Jeff, how... Key was Leinster's team selection and the use of their bench for this game. I genuinely believe that while the players were excellent and everything like that, Leinster were absolutely brilliant. Their management deserve huge credit for the selection of the starting 15 and also their management to the bench. And when I saw the team, you know, there was a couple of names there that you might have looked at and you might have been like, oh, wow, okay. But when I actually just kind of sat down and had a little think about it, right? You've Ed Byrne starting at loose head. Porter's out injured. Ed Byrne, you know, is probably fighting with Keane Healy now to start this European game next week. Suddenly, he's getting an opportunity away to Munster. If you think he's not going to be up for it, my God. James Tracy, he has two young Irish hookers like that he's fighting with. Like, he's currently third choice if we're honest. Like, suddenly he's starting down in Limerick as well. 
Alalatoa, you know, hasn't really done much so much this season. Starting ahead of Furlong, again fighting for a European spot next week. Unbelievable. Devin Toner, probably the last time he'll play in Limerick. Of course, he's going to be up for it. Jack Dunn, I think that was his first uh, game in Limerick, was it? Well, it definitely was, I think, wasn't it? And again, a guy who you just weren't expecting to see selected to start that game. He's going to go bananas. You have an Irish back row trio who's fighting off the likes of Coombs and whatever in this and also want to show how good they are. Jemison Gibson Park at nine, who's obviously fighting against Murray for this one again. Ross Byrne, who's looking to prove himself, not, in, not included in the Irish camp. And we were talking about it there before the show. If you had said that one guy is coming back from Irish camp there and he looks to be your future and the other guy hasn't, you would think we were talking about Ross Byrne. You have James Lowe, Robbie Henshaw, who's still fighting for an who was fighting for an Irish spot during the Six Nations ahead of Aki, you know, and he's obviously out to prove stuff as well. Gary Ringrose and Hugo Keenan, all Irish inter- all Irish international players, all incredible players. And then you've Jimmy O'Brien at 14, who's getting a chance alongside in that back line of Jemison Gibson Park, Ross Byrne, James Lowe, Robbie Henshaw, Gary Ringrose, and Hugo Keenan. And you're saying to Jimmy O'Brien, go out there and just play the way you know you can play. I thought it was a f- unbelievable selection at 15 now you look at the bench as well and the moment the bench told for me was when Gallagher dropped a ball early in the second half I think it was like 46-ish minutes or something like that I think and he dropped the ball anyway not gone so straight away your monster forwards are thinking oh we're just going to a scrum now against this and suddenly they see Sheehan, Healy and Furlan coming off the bench fresh into this scrum and you're thinking well Christ above here we go I felt it was an absolutely nail on the head moment to hit that. Um, I felt Maloney was unbelievable when he came on. Uh, Murphy was very good. McGrath, Frawley. And then like to have that 6-2 split. Essentially what it said to me was Cullen and Lancaster and um, Cantapomi, whoever's involved in all these selection meetings, sat down and picked the team. And they ultimately said to Munster, we're going to put out the starting 15 and we're going to beat you with them. And just when you think that we're finished, we're going to unleash this bench and we're going to beat you even more. I felt it was like genuinely for the game that it was, like if you like if you take in the context, you know, of everything, it's one of the best selections I've seen so far this season for a 23. Yeah, and I think one one of the one of the things that stands out to me um is that you and you hear fans talk about it a lot more than anyone else is that, you know, players have to be starting and getting game time to be considered for the Ireland squad. That's not the case. You look at it there, you look, you have Leinster's potentially, what, third or fourth choice hooker against Munster's first choice. There wasn't much of a comparison there. Yeah, you've Leinster's, you know, you, you've Leinster's third choice loose head, arguably. Yeah, against Munster's second. You know, you're, you're looking at this... You're looking, and didn't mention it in as part of the Munster thing, but like John Ryan is off to Wasps at the end of the season, which at the moment then makes Archer Munster's uh, first choice tight end for next season. You know, with that up up against, as as you said there, Leinster's third choice loose head. That's that's the level you're going with. I mean, there there can be no complaints. These guys are doing their job and doing it really well. Um, and I think like one of one of the things that I thought where Leinster absolutely stood out and blew Munster away was around the breakdown. And their breakdown work was absolutely excellent on Saturday night. But Tom, what makes it so good? They play to hurt you. 
I'm not talking about hurt you as an injury. They play, they hit the line to hit it. And everything they do, fast, aggressive, but everybody's active as well. So there's no lads who are switching off because, oh, that guy's not an option. He hasn't got his hands up. Every guy is an option for Leinster. And the violence that they hit that rock with, they win the violence every time. Every time. They're rootless. And like they play like, do you know what it reminds me of? When Ireland used to play New Zealand back in the middle of the last decade, maybe, you know, early, early part of the, of the last decade, where Ireland would be competitive for a bit. But then the All Blacks were just up to speed, up the intensity, up the violence, and Ireland would fall away. Um, that's what Leinster reminded me of here with that level of intensity, accuracy, the brutality that they brought. You mentioned it there earlier, Jeff. Referee showed them where the line was and they were gone like that, like a trap, gone. Munster were still kind of hesitating. Just, That's just to, sorry to interrupt you there, Tom, but just on that, like one, one of the things that I, I would have thought from, from that is, is, is there even a difference in how the teams are interpreting the referees and the work that goes on that? Because Clote was, was brought in from the Munster side to be that breakdown threat and to get at them. He tried. And within, within I'd say, the first five to ten minutes, he, he, was blown, he was blown off probably a couple of times or pushed away from it a couple of times, even by the referee's decision. And he was taken out as being ineffective, not because he wasn't doing his job, but because the referee's interpretation didn't allow him to get in there and do it. So is that a case of, oh, that's just tough luck? Or is that a case of not doing your homework? Or have Leinster just taken him out of it completely? Well, like, nothing allowing him to get into position and creating a different picture for the ref. I, I think when Tyke Byrne was injured for this game, I think Munster would have needed to bring in a guy like Chris Clutey because of his breakdown threat. He's one of the most amount of breakdown threats in the uh, in the URC. And like uh, breakdown turnovers in the URC. So they brought him in for that reason, right? And that makes sense, right? Because you want to try and stop Leinster at the breakdown. You have to get them under 95%. Anytime they lose a game, they're under 95% retention in the breakdown. Um, so Munster had to try that. So that, that's an off-ball strategy, right? So you have to be without the ball for that to work. Because again, if Leinster are carrying it, you know. So Munster are going at that. But Leinster know, Leinster know this. And the thing is with, with referees, Munster need referees to give us decisions. I'm going to use us again. I don't give a shit. They, uh, Munster need the referee to give us decisions, right? We, we need the referee to reward us for breakdown penalties against Leinster for us to have a platform to play off. We didn't get that in this game. So when you're Leinster, Leinster, and, and this is the attitude that I love and envy about them, right? Is that they say to the referee, blow your fucking whistle. Blow it. We don't care. We're going to keep entering that breakdown. We're going to be as cynical as we want on, on your rocks. We're going to be offside. We, we, blow, your, blow, your, blow your whistle. They dare the referee to blow the whistle because they're playing to the edge Every time. And they, they can bring it back if they need to. But they play with such edge and intensity and, and aggression in this game. By the end of it, Munster, Munster were beaten badly. But it's the intensity and the ferocity of Leinster's breakdown work where they're going out there to put a shot in you every single time. And a lot of people have been complaining about Devin Toner about his entry on Gavin Coombs and the injury that he suffered as a result. But you know what Devin Toner's thinking? He's thinking that Toner's thinking that he won the penalty. 
exactly. But you know what he's thinking? He's thinking, I have to win this rook. And whatever happens, he is not getting that ball. So he takes a shortcut and he comes in from the side and it's, it, it, that happens. But it's the mindset. He's thinking that, because he knows that small things lead to big things. If Munster win that breakdown penalty there, who's to say the referee won't be thinking, geez, maybe, maybe Munster are on, the top, on top of the breakdown here. And Devin Toner knows that if that happens, Leinster will be more likely to lose the game. So his intention is, look, I'm coming in from the side here. The referee blows, whatever, whatever. But that's a you problem. Because for, for us, we have to win that rock. And we will, and I will win that rock. I will get you off that ball. Rootless. That Absolutely was, rootless. I said the same thing, I think, on Saturday. Leinster focused entirely on themselves. And I really liked that about them. It was, this is what we are going to do. And you do what you, you, you do whatever you want. Doesn't really matter. This is what we are going to do. End off. Yeah, they, they are completely rootless. And like you look at their game plan, the complexity of it, they're, they're attacking clarity, like their stuff off the line out, right? Like Munster tried to compete at the line out, but blew their lines on counter lifting a couple of times. There was, you know, uh, Jenkins and a couple of other guys were kind of running into each other and not getting guys into the air. That happened a few times. And Leinster launched off their line out 12 times, uh, 12 out of 13, and they did it successfully. They compressed. Munster off the line out around Joey Carberry because we did not want Robbie Henshaw one-on-one with Joey Carberry because he loses that collision. So D-Lende had to compress in on the outside. But that meant that Farrell also had to compress in. So you look at Leinster, all of their moves ended up with the ball moving. They, they, like they hit off 12 once or twice. But a lot, of their, a lot of their attacking moves off the line out stretched the ball out so that the ball was targeting the space outside Farrell, knowing full well he would have to compress in on top of Dillende to protect Harbury. And uh, Ross Byrne will hit those passes and uh, Jimmy O'Brien will run those like kind of deep pocket lines and he was, and, and they were hitting him. Ring Rose was finding those outside swivels as well. And it was just like, they looked a level above and it's hard to see who beats that Leinster team in the URC. I, I could see some, some of the bigger French teams giving him some trouble in, um, in, in Europe, but in the URC, very tough to see anybody but Leinster winning that because they're operating at a very, very high level. And they, they, they like and, and they look to be like operating at that elite, elite level. And they are a, a, a side to aspire to with the quality that they play with. And that's that's the one of the biggest compliments you can pay you, you that like that that you can pay them is that they didn't really have to like struggle all that hard for this game because they knew they had a one with around 25 minutes left to go. And like I think we'll we'll come to to Connacht against Leinster a little bit later, but I mean like, do Leinster have what it takes to win the Champions Cup this season? I, I think, while yes, like you look at the team on paper, and like we did earlier, like you know you're looking at Irish nine, you know an Irish cap ten, Irish eleven, Irish twelve, Irish thirteen, Irish fifteen can probably pull an Irish 14 onto the wing as a, a full Irish back row. Um, you've James Ryan in there, when fit. And again, no rush back there for him, like I'm sure. You have, when fit, a full Irish front row. Of course they can. Will they? Again, though, is a different question. And I, I, 
I sound like a politician here, but like I truly believe when it comes down to Europe, there's so many little things in games you need to go your way. Like it could be a line out steal in a quarter final in the 50th minute that changes the momentum and stuff like that. Like it's on paper, yeah, they absolutely have the team that could win it. But it's just can that team perform with the power needed, uh, the get the rub of the green on the day everything just goes right like there's so many little things that goes into winning a european cup and to win a european cup and it's probably the last thing i'll say on it you need 10 starting internationals in your team in the round you know you can't just rock up with three or four of them and say like you know we've a couple of good players now in this team you need a solid 10 ish starting internationals in your starting 15 for a european cup final Leinster have that like that's like there's no arguing that I think the I think for me the only thing that really I don't think they have it to win the Champions Cup this season I think they'll coast the the URC um, but I think the Champions Cup is a step too far but I think they've taken the steps for next season yeah I do think power is going to be an issue like we've talked yeah. about it before like I do yeah. think power will be an issue but like I'm you look at the team on paper, it's, yeah. it's nearly an Irish team. Yeah, I think second row is probably the, the biggest area that they need. I think it's, um, at the moment, I think for the rest of the season, you're looking at maybe some question marks around James Ryan and what availability he'll have. I think John McCarthy, um, great player, but again, probably a bit too young. Ryan Baird is injured. Um, still a great bench option. But I think, like, you know, if they can get another sort of half a season or a season into McCarthy you can get Jason Jenkins up there as well you know it allows them to rotate within that I think they have a much better chance still their kryptonite as we, as we talked about earlier on is someone taking them on tight five scrummage disrupt their line out stop their platforms from going and I, I think that's the bigger teams like La Rochelle or Racing could potentially do that to them the that what you said there actually hit the nail on the head like they're taking these steps but like when you think about Saturday's game, and I know I'm going back to like a monster perspective here, like you heard people say like, oh, but look at the players, you know, coming through and, you know, they're on the right path. Like how many years are we saying they're on the right path? Whereas like that Leinster have kind of realized they need those couple of guys in the row just to bulk that, just to bulk up that power. And suddenly they're there, you know, they'll be there in the next year. Like, and it's not a case of in three years time, four years time they'll be like oh yeah we're we're working on that now it's well we've signed Jenkins McCarthy's coming through we still have Maloney we still have James Ryan and you're just kind of like okay yeah fair enough like you are well, you have well, recognized it well yeah and and look at what they don't despite Leinster having pretty pretty much nearly everyone in you know it's it's a first choice um Leinster pack nearly for Ireland look look at where the, look at where they're spending their their NIQ money it's going into Alatoa and Jenkins. That's 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 what they have. It. That's what they need. It. In the tight five, they have recognised where the issues is. They they know where their problems are, and they're going to address it through their academy and through buying in players. And that's that's the right thing to do. Um, and again, look, we're we're talking about Leinster, but Munster haven't done that. Munster haven't addressed necessarily their their issues in the in the front row either. But that's a that's a much different thing. Um. So let's move on to to Connacht. Um, Connacht. Before before we move on to Connacht, I have a story. If you both would like, that might lighten the mood a little bit. 
Oh, look, it needs lightning. Please, Jeff, okay. take, it, take it away. So this, this is actually a good story. And only, only a couple of people actually know this, right? And it involves myself and Caelan Doris. So I used to teach Caelan back in the day. I hope he remembers this now because it was very funny. But so I used, to, I used to supervise study as well in the evenings. And there was one day I was sitting there reading a book. And you know when you can kind of feel, like you can feel someone looking at you? does that make sense like you're you're kind of you're just sitting there you're minding your own business but you're kind of like i can feel a pair of yeah my story has been interrupted by the fact tom is now outside his house and i don't know why (laughs) he's literally just outside he's going to the bin or the car he's in the car he's in the car tom's in the car people actually in the car okay uh With, with with the laptop and the and the camera on it still going. He has he has the microphone. Why are Low you from the, the car? Why are you in the car? We're getting curtains put up in the house, <laughs> so there's loads of really loud drilling going on. I'm not sure if you heard it. <laughs> so the only place in the house that I can be where there's not drilling noise is literally here in the car. <laughs> this is the production value that people tune in for. But anyway. <laughs> So I was sitting in study anyway, and I could feel like a pair of eyes on me. And I looked up and Caelan Doris was looking at me with what I can like. The only word I can use is just like bemused. He's just kind of his head's to the side. He's kind of doing you know that little squinty look like what? Oh, the, I, I call that the puppy dog look where they sort of tilt their head to the side and look at you strangely. Yeah, yeah. That's what he was looking at me like. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, Caelan, you all right? And he was like, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, whatever. And he went back to whatever he was doing. So I was like, all right. So I went back to reading my book anyway, happy out. And again, I could feel like a pair of eyes on me. And I looked up and Caelan again was looking at me funny, like as if to say, like, what are you doing? So I looked at him and I said, Caelan, what's wrong with you? And he just mouthed the words, what are you reading? I was reading a book that my friend Shawnee Walsh had given me. It was Richard Branson's book. But what I didn't really cop at the time was across the front in three big letters was losing my virginity. And Caelan Doris was like, what are you reading? So I kind of closed the book, saw the title that he was just looking at. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Interrupted study. And I was like, Caelan, it's Richard Branson's book. And he was just like, all right. (laughs) There you go. Just thought I'd lighten the mood a little bit there. Sorry, my the wire of my mic was stuck in the door of my car. It's okay. Do you want me to tell the story again? I don't mind. Oh, I was expecting more laughter from from both. No, of you, it, 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 ah, like it's fine. It's fine. No, what's what's <laughs> new? What's new? I am amused. Oh, Jack Neville is back. I felt you could have been more amused. But look, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Let's move on to Connacht. You both called Benetton, didn't you? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> Not this guy. Not this guy. My uh, beloved Connacht. Connacht, as called by Jeff, beat Benetton away in Italy on Saturday. As I wear my Benetton t shirt. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks to a late try by Tuamaga and a goal line defensive stand as the clock went well into the red. Um, I know Jeff went through Connacht's last quarter struggles previously. That try by Tuamaga is the only time Connacht have scored in the second half of their last three games. That's their only what? score. Yep. Really? Yep. Went Jesus. back and double checked it. So for the last three games, they've only scored once in the second half. That doesn't bode well going into next week, does it? No. <laughs> no. Like, 
I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer or anything like that, but like, oh my God. Yeah, you've you've suddenly gone from yeah, I picked Connacht to win, going oh fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick them next week. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> Just in case anybody thought I was going to lose my mind in the next twelve minutes. <laughs> I think, um, like from, from watching the game, I think the the main positive take out of it is that they actually scored in the second half and that they they got the win. Um, I think there was some again. Some good performances, individual performances. I thought um, Kim Prendergast continues to just look to be outstanding international quality player. Really looks fantastic. But uh, I think there was still some of the worries there for Connacht. I, um, I thought the Benetton uh, loose head caused them all sorts of problems at scrum time. Um, really got amongst them there. And I'm not sure an awful lot has changed for Connacht in terms of that. They've got the win, but how important it is. I don't know. Jeff, what did you make of the game? I was so happy to see them get the win and not in a condescending way, not in a, in a like, oh, good old Connacht, well done. I was happy because going into that final quarter, I said to myself, here we go. And not so long into that final quarter, Benetton scored. And then I thought to myself again, okay, here we really go. And then Connacht came back, managed to score. And just for that closing session, I actually had to <laughs> I had to go back and watch the closing session again because in that last 10-minute period, my house just suddenly became a train station with people coming and going. I don't know why it happened. Um, so I was literally sitting down and I was like, nice one, now I'll pay attention to this last 20 minutes. And suddenly all that was taken away from me. But it's okay. I went back and watched it. But yeah, like that. Benetton score, I think, here we go. Another kind of final quarter, just train wreck. Suddenly, Connick score, I think to myself, here we go. They're on here. And just that last, like, I don't know how long did it go on for, like 100 minutes after the 80. You're just thinking, like, please, Jesus, hold on. Because, and I'll tell you this, I think that if, like, their season's in trouble already. Let's be honest here, right? It's not like... I don't know. It's not like this is going to be the miracle to save everything, right? But I think if they didn't manage to hold out in that last couple of minutes, whatever it was, they would be in enormous trouble heading into this Leinster game with absolutely no confidence in kind of... I don't want to say themselves because like you'll always believe in yourself and stuff, but eventually doubts start creeping in. Like everyone's human, eventually doubts start creeping in when you keep losing games and stuff like that. So it's the fact that they held out, I think, changes the picture. I still think Leinster will win, spoiler alert, but I think it changes the picture for them as a team heading into this week. It changes the the atmosphere around the team. It changes the energy around the team. It just changes like that mood instantly. And like like you said there, I mean. Does the result do anything for their their sort of URC playoff hopes or qualification for Europe? Because I mean, like they're they're ninth in the URC table at the moment. They're nine points behind the Sharks, who are in, above them in eight, and Sharks have a game in hand. And the Scarlets, who are in tenth, are on the same points as Connacht, but have two games in hand. And effectively, those two games in hand are against the Dragons. 
Right. So if you if you if you're a Connick fan and you hear Scarlet to two games in hand, you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe. And then you hear the dragons and you go, well, fuck it anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in fairness, when it comes to the dragons, Tom thinks dragons are very good, don't you, Tom? You said that before. Dragons? Yeah. They breed fire, they sit on gold, they you hoard know, in a castle. You know what I'm on about. You know <laughs> what I'm on about. Um, but like I we we talked about it, was it last week or two weeks ago? Like nothing has really changed in regards to Connacht. They're still looking at other teams to lose and to fail. They're still depending on other teams, and that's yeah, still and, a, and, that's still a horrible place to be in. And Owen, where are they going in South Africa? Who are they playing there? You no. can't you can't South in Africa, Tom. No, we've we've this South Africa. This. <laughs> It's all of Africa. There's not just the southern bit of it. Who are they playing there? Um, so yeah, they're they're really up against it, I think. But like, you look at their uh, the confidence they'll take from being able to see out that win, where it it looked like they'd fucked it away, like you know. And I I think looking at what they will take from it coming into these games against Leinster, look, nobody gives them a chance. <laughs> Certainly nobody in this podcast, anyway. But you look at the at the 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 mountain they have to climb there is one thing that's a kind of a it's a shot to nothing to a certain extent they can still get into that top eight um they do need favors that uh, tour to south africa i would say when you're looking at next for next season is that nearly a bigger game for them or like a bigger two games than the upcoming two games against leinster with regards to all the funding and all the marketing and and the, even just the season ticket value you get for being in the Champions Cup and all the sponsor, because again, it's a lot of sponsorship deals, I think, are tied to your, whether you're in the top, you know, the, the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup. I, I think that those two games coming up in South Africa are huge for them. Because if they can get some results there, they're right back where they need to be. And like, like you know, whether they get into the playoffs or not, like, they need to be in the Champions Cup next season. So, look, it's, they still need people to do them favours. But that'd be the question I would have is that are those is that tour to South Africa given that next year at this stage is almost more important than this season? Are those two games more important? Well, I mean, they have or am I sitting here talking shit in my car? (laughs) (laughs) Well, to to be fair, it looks like a very low budget sort of cop stakeout movie thing here. Um, yeah, I was just right thinking, Tom's neighbors, if they look out the window, are just seeing the glow of his face in the car with the microphone in front of them. They're they're <laughs> used they're used to mad shit for me at the stage. Yeah. Um, Connacht's games remaining games after the Champions Cup runs with uh, Leinster are they play the Lions away, the Sharks away, and Tom. Zebra at home. They're Tom, they're Tom, they're, Tom, they're animals, Owen, not rugby Tom, teams. Tom, what are you talking about? Tom. Yeah, I think. Googled it again. You reckon? I think so. Like he didn't know. I heard him typing. He does. He didn't know a minute ago, and now he does. It wasn't on the script for fuck's sake. He's full of shit. That man. He didn't. Did you read the script this week? There's a script. I didn't know. I didn't know he was going to talk. No, no, no one would believe you <laughs> if he said it was the script for this shit. <laughs> Okay, around 30 minutes in, we're going to need Tom out in his car. <laughs> Just get it out there. Yeah, create a backstory about putting in curtains or something. The live show will have Tom sitting on his house. Oh, it's better coverage up here. Better coverage up here. Actually, do you know what? The Wi-Fi here is actually better because in the last episode, I was cutting out a small bit. That hasn't happened here. 
So there you go. That's a fair point, actually. Professionalism, the new studio. You could build a mobile mobile studio. Yeah. There we go. I'm in the right place for that, anyway. I once did a podcast with um, BJ Bota, and he did the whole thing from his car, like for the full hour and 10 minutes from his car. And I said to him, I'm like, just wondering, BJ, like, why are you in your car for this whole thing? He said, it's the only place where I can't hear the kids shouting. And I was like, oh, fair enough. No problem. And lo and behold, about 10 minutes later, in the background, all you see is the kids just running around the car. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus, this man wasn't lying at all. I, I think we need to do now for, for, for next week, we need to run a sort of a book on how many names Jeff can drop in. So, so far this week, we've got Caitlin Doris and BJ. Yeah, but I told, I told two funny stories. They were two good, funny stories. No? Just me? I thought they were funny. I thought, like, they were subjective as well. Like, we were talking about Leinster. We were talking about podcasts and cars. Like, it's, like that, it's like that time I uh, kept bumping into Dunnock O'Callaghan in a car park in Cork uh, two or three days in a row. He, I mean, like he, Did yeah, he thought he, like we, we kept parking next to each other in the same car park in Cork. He was park he was parking down by there was a car park on uh near near George's Key, I think it is. I can't remember the name of it now. But uh we were parking in there and it's like, oh, that's Dunnaco Callahan. I was just like, well, that's weird. Not every day you see Dunnaco Callahan. So I go back it in turns, and I dri- it turns out it was. <laughs> it's like I drive back next day, I'm parking in there again, and just like, hang on. Is that is that Dunnaco Callahan again? It was, and he noticed me again this time. So it's just like, hi, 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 Donica. Hi, Donica. And tell, uh, tell Ronan I said hello. Tell, tell Ronan, <laughs> hey, look, tell Ronan I said hi, okay. And then I went back, and then the third day, later that week, not the day after, but the day after that, I was like, is that Donica Callan again? I just stayed in the car. Because, like, he would have full sure thought that guy's stalking me, but I think he was actually stalking me. I'm, I'm a little bit raging at myself for laughing at your story because you didn't laugh at my story. I was laughing at your other stuff as well. Oh. You, you saw me. You couldn't, you actually know you couldn't see me. I actually can't. It's, no it's, one it's can dark see in here. No one can see it. Sitting yeah. in a dark car. Hang on. I'll open the door again and get the light on. There we go. Hey, there you are. Laugh now while I see it. There we go. <laughs> you, you saw me laughing. So, yeah, Connacht, they're uh, against Leinster. <laughs> oh, someone, so smooth. Someone, so smooth, Jeff. So someone smooth. has to get this show back Wait, on the, the road. The, the province of Leinster has a rugby team. What? <laughs> That's a problem. It's, it's not even. It's not even South Leinster. The Leinster Lions. The Leinster Lions are against the Connacht Eagle. Well, I can't, Eagles. I can't, Eagle men. We can't say the Eagles though, because that's their A team, isn't it? The Connacht Arm Eagle Mutants. <laughs> um, right. Well, it's a, it's a good thing they're against Connacht because Tom loves Connacht. Uh, I, love, I love. I love Connacht. I love. Do you know what I love? Connacht, the, the, the county of Mayo, which is in Connacht. Mayo is a fantastic spot. It's it really just, is. it reminds it like it in the same way of Kerry, though, it's just so far away. It is very, but it's actually not that far away from here now. Well, it actually, really it is. is. It actually is. Yeah. Mayo is. is so far away. So is Kerry. It is. And both places, absolutely wonderful places. But I also like, says to you, like, do you want to go to Mayo? You're like, that's so far away. That's very far away. I like, I like the sauce, Mayo as well. Is Mayo sauce? mayonnaise sauce it's a condiment you condiment yeah it's a sauce egg sauce it's, it's a condiment i had an omelet today mustard a sauce yeah oh, i had an omelet I had, I, I had an omelet today with uh uh mushrooms and steak in it that we had from yesterday rather beef nice. but i had this uh eddie rockets mustard 
mayonnaise with it. And I put that with it. And I realized afterwards I had eggs with eggs. That's okay. Yeah. Double no. eggs. Can't, can't have enough protein. I'm not laughing because you didn't find my jokes funny. I wasn't joking. No, I don't know what to do. No, I might laugh because you're not joking. <laughs> it's getting weirder. Onyx. Yeah. Owen, will you get win this, please? By 30 <laughs> points. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Friend to start in the wing and score a hat trick. <laughs> I I find it very difficult to see past Leinster, to be honest. Yeah, to be fair, both oh, yeah. home both home and away games. Yeah, uh, like that Leinster side who showed up in Tolman Park last week. Tough to see them not winning, but it's not, it's not even that. Two weeks ago, Leinster went to the sports ground and Tom oh, yeah. up as well. Like so, oh yeah, that mind. The, the only surprise that I have throughout the, for this entire game is that currently the bookies have Leinster only as 12-point favourites. Really? Yeah, that's that mean, spread that on. That means Leinster to win by more than 12 or less than 12? By, by 12. That's what they reckon oh. the winning margin would be. I, I never understand that. Like when the lads talk about it and they go, they're minus six. I don't know what that means. I'm like, so they lose by six? And they go, no, win by more than six. I'm like, that makes no sense. Think, think, think of it as, as a handicap. So Leinster would start with minus 12 points. Yeah, look, I won't get it now either. It's okay. I've, I've <laughs> never placed a bet in my life until I don't, I don't like gambling, a couple of months ago when a uh, girlfriend asked me to go in and put a bet on, on a horse you got a tip for. And you know when you see a kid going up to the shop to ask for sweets and they're like five or six years old and it's their first time doing it. That was me inside in the bookies with, with the money in my hand. Can I put a bet on this horse, please? And your mom was just like, okay. And I was just like, it needs to be each way. <laughs> Does that mean he runs there and back? <laughs> I don't even know what that means still. I don't like each way. What does it mean? I'd like, to like, put a ten, I'd like to put a 10 euro bet on each way. That'll be 20 euro. No, hang on. You're not listening wait, to me. Wait I a minute. Wait a minute. Euro <laughs> each way. This, this I, is like I, the two runnies with four candles. I still don't are know. We, are we still on Connacht? What I did. <laughs> what I did. Uh, I, Connacht, I, I, Connacht fans will not be pleased with this because we are not paying no. them any due respect. But that, that you, you would expect that from me, to be honest. I expect that. Yeah, from they you, expect, Tom, they not expect, you yeah, they expect better from myself from Jeff, though. I am for once. I am not going with my beloved Connacht in the next game. I yeah, I see Leinster taking a, an unassailable lead back to the RDS. Yeah, I, I I think the first twenty minutes are going to be very interesting in this one. Assuming Bundy starts, um, I think you'll see a lot of fight from Connacht. They're going to look to try and make this nasty. Uh, and I think they'll be better off for it in this game. They'll need to bring that. Um, I still think Leinster will win fairly comfortably, but I'm expecting a bit of a scrap from Connacht, to be honest. And I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, because they won't be one bit shy about, about bringing that because they, they always tend to do it. So that'll be interesting to see how they go. Their line-out work as well defensively. I think they'll have a right cut off Leinster there too. Connacht have a very good line-out team. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. Their mall, like, their mall gets in trouble, don't get me wrong. But actually yeah. reading the line-out and getting up, they're actually very good at it. And I, I think their, their mall actually suffers from how well they compete in the air because if they don't take that ball, they're, they're in trouble the minute that Leinster will bring it down. But I think that they are able to get at Leinster in the way that Leinster lose games and they won't be one bit shy about making it a scrap and making it something where emotions get a little bit high as well. So, But I still think Leinster will win. 
But I think that first 20 minutes, depending on how well Connacht bring the hate, I think that it, it could be close enough in that first bet. I still, I still reckon Leinster will win. Yeah, look, I think we're, we're all there on that one. Moving on then to Ulster, um, where four second and a half tries by the Bulls saw them beat Ulster 34-16 on Saturday afternoon. Ulster started well and went in 9-3 up at the half time thanks to the boot of Nathan Doak, but uh, the altitude, the heat and some nice play from the Bulls themselves meant that the game drifted from Ulster in the second half. Um, Jeff, what did you make of the game? Uh, I won't lie. Um, I think that Ulster would have done more, but then again, I'm watching it from my couch with no altitude, with no heat, with no giant monsters running down my throat every two seconds. And a little... Once I kind of got out of that mindset of this isn't PlayStation, do you know what I mean? Like this isn't, um, this isn't PlayStation. Like these are, this these are all telling things. I still felt Ulster did quite well, especially in the first half. Unlike, I suppose, unlike the Connacht, um, sorry, no, how do I say? It? Unlike the Munster trip to South Africa, I actually think they will take an awful lot from it. Um, because like you look at Munster, they took two points home from South Africa, yeah, and we're we're calling it a failure. But I don't think that like Ulster should have won the first game, and we spoke about that last week. And I said they'll take huge but, confidence from that. But I know they did. I, I, I but I, well, no, no, not not even that. I I I would look at it differently. I would say Munster took two points from their South African trip, and that was seen as a failure. Munster went down there with effectively without their internationals. Yeah, Ulster but, but, and, but, and and played both games at, at at altitude. Ulster go down with pretty much a full strength squad and only come away with the one point. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're looking at on paper, it'll say Ulster come home at one point. Ulster should have won that first game. Like so I'm talking about it as like a like you're heading into uh, per, you're you're talking about performance rather than results. yeah like like yeah okay look results yes absolute failure yes they only take one point home I get that but like what I'm talking about is like the squad come home you get together in um, Kingspan and they, am I right in saying this is the first time this season that Ulster have lost two on the bounce it is yeah and yeah. Think, and, yeah. They sh- and they shouldn't have this is what I'm trying to say is Dan McFarland yeah. will bring them in and say look yeah we took one point home from South Africa. That should have been four in the first game. And even like to the fact or to the point where the head of officiating has come out and said that should have been an Ulster win. So they will still take, in terms of that trip to South Africa, they've gone to a very difficult place. And yes, the scoreboard will say like, okay, you lost. But Ulster will say to themselves, we can go somewhere very, very difficult and grind out a win. They're going to Toulouse. I think I do think like in in this I don't know you're looking at me on as if I'm absolutely crazy. There is sense. Him as well, but you can't there. see me. Tom, I'd expect that from you, not from Owen. You're the man sitting in the dark last <laughs> night at night with a microphone. Stop! I'm I'm staking them out. Stop! Um, They're moving in there. Um, but I I do think that Ulster will come back from this. They'll regroup. Whatever. What day is today? Tuesday. Um, they will have regrouped probably today or yesterday. I think it was actually today. And they'll say, look, yes, we only got one point from the games, but we did an awful lot right. And if you look at it in terms of four halves, they won't treat them. Like. So I think that 
I do think they will take an awful lot from it as a team and as a unit. And when you have to head to somewhere like Toulouse, like there's an awful lot of positives to take from it when you're heading somewhere that isn't at altitude against a very tough opposition. And then McFarland will be saying, altitude, that stupid air is too thin there. Like what's what's going on with that? Like too thin? You serious? We're up too high? How, how, How can air be thin? How can air be thin? Where where even are we? Like this South is another, of Africa? This what? is another own thing. He just made something up. Like what? Like South Africa? Why are we here? Yeah, no, I, I think he look at it and go. Actually, I think he'd be fairly happy as well that Tom O'Toole got the belt, the scrum half as well, and got completely got away with it, which is brilliant. Did you see that? I did. I saw that. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he punches him. He actually tries. He punches yeah, he, him. He hit him a belt. It's brilliant. Fucking rock goblins. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, uh, I, I think I, I would agree with Jeff there. I think that Ulster will be relatively happy. You know, I, I think a lot of teams are going to struggle to get the full like ten points down and or the, the even eight points below in South Africa. I think I don't. I don't. I'd actually also like to point out, Owen, you said there like Ulster head down with a full strength team. Like both South African teams also had full strength teams there too. Like no, I, I was saying our what I meant was in, oh, comparison, in comparison to Munster. To Munster, where you say two two points was a was a bad return. I'm with you. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Like, I, I, I think as well, like the, like the start, like I think the South African sides, I think are showing in the last couple of weeks that like they are way better than what they were given credit for earlier in the season. But like I think with the Bulls anyway, like the they're very impressive and like they're big, huge men and the collisions that were out there. The thing is that altitude, like altitude, it'll it'll fuck you eventually. Like you know, you're there. And you could see Ulster in the second half were kind of wilting a small little bit, and the Bulls just kept coming and like they just had. So much they they had so much sized, um, and I think as well with the the, the way Ulster approached the game, I think they'll be relatively happy with how it played out in the end. Yeah, they lost. Uh, they should have won that Stormers game, but like I I think looking at the way that they 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 played, even I think they gave it right up to the Bulls for a good long while in that game. Uh, then mistakes started to creep in. I think Ian Madigan had a tough one um, as the game developed. Um, didn't they finish as well with with uh, Doak? And Doak at ten with Cooney at nine. Yeah, yeah, um, injuries. I think they yeah they did they did two, two few injuries the, the bench and a couple um, of injuries. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was tough. But I think a lot of teams are going to struggle to to beat the Bulls in Pretoria. Like, and, and I think even with the the Stormers, who kind of I think people were looking at them as being the weakest side uh, coming into the season, have a lot of really good players as well. Like I know that Ulster were kind of you know fucked out of that game, but like you know you look at the the quality that they have, uh, I think everybody's going to find it really, really tough on that on, on those two week treks down to down to South Africa. I think it's just going to be very, very difficult for any team to to win there. Like I think you look well, at, I think Edinburgh, Edinburgh are the they, only team to have won. So yeah, far. they they beat they beat the Sharks there, but like you look at the conditions in that conditions, game, it was yeah. it was it was closer to closer to Edinburgh than what it was Durban. But like you, you look at it, and it was just like uh, you know, I, I think it just shows that the URC is actually quite a tough competition now, and I think. Once we start building into two or three seasons down the line, there'll be a real rivalry between the likes of the, the like the Ulster and the Bulls, and you could see some of the like some of the shots out there. There was a you know you could see grudges building, but coming into this week against Toulouse, oh, it's a tough one. Like you know, it, it, it's hard to read Toulouse. Like you know, over the last couple of weeks, they've lost a ton of games when they brought guys back in. I think they were beaten by Cast at the weekend as well. Um, and again, Cast are a very good side, but but like you look at at Toulouse. Um, it's hard to not see them turning it on. Um, did you reckon Ulster are in for a tough one here, especially with the travel and everything that comes with it? Um, I, I, I was I was thinking of this now, Tom, and I won't lie to you. All day today, 
I think that if Ulster literally just go flat out against Toulouse away, I think they can win it. And I think that it opens up their return leg to Ravenhill huge or Kingspan hugely. And the, my biggest reason behind this is, is not the South African tour or anything like that. It's the fact that they've won home and away to Leinster and also home and away to Claremont. And a lot of it, confidence. Like that's huge. Like, and yeah, you can say they've only come back from South Africa at one point. They've done both of those teams home and away this season and done so physically, um, huge and hugely physical games. And I think if they go to Toulouse, who have the power, who have the backs, who have magicians at halfbacks, the whole lot, and they just literally have a game plan that negates Dupont as best they can, uh, keep Intimac quiet and literally just look to just go pound for pound with that Toulouse pack, I genuinely think they can do it. I I think Ulster are... <clears throat> this, is, this is the real fulcrum of Ulster's season just hear these two Toulouse games because I think they're they're in a situation whereby they're coming back from South Africa um, it's the travel mainly I think is going to be a big factor but then I think you've also got to look at a situation they've lost the two games in South Africa they go to Toulouse away and then they have um, back to to the Kingspan those two games if they they need to win at least one of them Whatever about qualifying for the next round, because I think if they if they were to lose the two to lose games, that's four games in a row lost, and their three remaining games in the URC are Munster at home, who are looking for a sort of a top four finish, Edinburgh, who are the same, and the Sharks will be looking to get into the top eight. So that's where if if even and even if they go on, do they have a deep enough squad to challenge on both fronts at the business end of the season? I think that they have proven so far this season that they can balance both with what they have. And my beloved Ulster, I think, can do the business on both fronts. And just to touch on what you said there, if they lose on both, or if they lose both legs um, against Toulouse, in regards their ability to bounce back yeah, four games in a row, I think you're forgetting that we're pretending they won that first one. Um, they lost the second one, fair enough. But uh, <laughs> and if it wasn't for that they, stupid they, air, how, how, yeah. How, how many how many pretend points do you get for that win? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, wait. I'm can just, we can we just pretend? Can we just pretend that Monster won on Saturday? Can we just do that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I oh yeah. We can pretend as much as we want. That's <laughs> that's a step too far. But like what I'm saying that is, is that that that, do, that is I a do, bit too far. I do I do think that like even, even in lose, pretend land that's stretching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even even if they do lose both legs to Toulouse, I don't even, like if they do lose both legs to lose. Right? Answer me this: Do you see them losing? to the point of knocking confidence like yes there's losing and disappointment but do you think they lose to the point of jesus i don't think we can do anything this season no but i, they, I absolutely they, don't think so no they've got monster right after that you know so like i mean yeah. you, you look at the you look at where where they are i i think their their body of work this season even i think you can look at like a team like Toulouse with all the top 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 quality guys there and not, and not just skilled players but just all the size and power you could want as well 
you could you could lose the Toulouse, and I don't think you'd be coming away from it thinking we're the fucking shits. You wouldn't be thinking that. Like like they're they're a good side. Like you'd be thinking, oh look, we, you you could lose a tight game to them or whatever else. I don't think you'd be in the doldrums after it. You'd be disappointed, sure. I don't think I don't think it would derail their their like their their, their season. I think if they were knocked out by Toulouse, I think you'd look at them and go like, geez, they're in a great position now to make a great run at the URC. But you look at how they could manage the rest of their season without Europe. Not that saying that, that that would be a consolation to them, but I don't think if they were to lose again, what would be four games in a row? I'm not sure that would damage them, you know, mentally. I'm not. I I I wouldn't think so. Not when it's to lose, you know. I I think where where I'm going with it is look. Same as I don't think Leinster have enough to to win this. I don't think Ulster have enough to win the the Champions Cup either. You know, they're 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 not in that sort of level of it. I think they yeah they can continue on they they have a an outside chance against Toulouse. Um, You're so negative. <laughs> was it in the script? Uh, you were going to be so this, negative. Where's all this negativity coming? From? I should have read. I should have read the script before, and if I knew you were going to be this negative, it's one of those little <laughs> two stars like or a star like Owen gets negative close close brackets. <laughs> I'm going to start a man hammering the windows the of my car. I I also I also think left stage. <laughs> I also think Ulster are in the same sort of bucket as Munster in that if they don't get into the top two or top four in terms of the league, things could get pretty dicey because the way the things are now, if one of those South African teams starts getting up into the top four and you have to go to travel to South Africa for, for a knockout, it becomes a different prospect. And that's what I mean in terms of these that it's not necessarily, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to shit the bed in terms of, you know, you've lost four games in a row. But if you lose, start to lose one or two of those games at the end against teams that are also in the top eight, that's where it starts getting dicey. And I think Munster are fucked in terms of, like, I think they've lost too many games. Now they're going to have to play away, at least for a semi-final if they get that far. But I think there's other teams. If a South African team get into that top four, it's going to make for a really nasty away knockout game. That's a fair point. Um, and the other one then for Ulster for Toulouse, I think, is that they have Ethan McElroy is going through his return to play con- protocols uh, from his concussion in the Bulls game. He isn't going to be available. Uh, Stockdale is out. It'll, it'll make and- the Masters tough for him as well. <laughs> no, that's his dad, Rory. Oh, oh, oh okay, sorry. You're yeah, you're, you were back at the, you're back at the Nathan Neil Dodes sort of thing here now. <laughs> <laughs> Rory McElroy is Ethan McElroy's dad. Everyone knows that. <laughs> How long until we get a complaint about that? Four minutes. However however many minutes we're in, plus two or three minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and uh what you got? Rob Balakun didn't travel to South Africa either. So I'm not sure if he's available for this. So their back three is looking a little bit light. They've got Lowry. Craig Gilroy, maybe Rob Little, Ben Moxham starting on the wings against Colby. I like, I like, ben, I like the, ben Moxham, big strong but, runner. Yeah, but it's, it's against Colby and the Toulouse back three. That could I be think, a difference. I don't think you can say it's against Colby though. Colby could be starting against me and make me look like a fool. Do you know what I mean? He's that good, and and, and also he's playing for Toulon now. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, he moved. He moved there. He is. He is. He is. This, he this is the excellent type of research. He that chased to try. Actually, this is the worst thing. He chased a kick to touch there last weekend. Just like the weekend gone, he chased a kick to touch and scored a try off it. 
for Toulon. Like I watched sure. this game. This is the this is the worst thing. Like, like you just you, caught me you, on the hot like, bone, you crafty bugger. You, you can't oh, see I me now that. because <laughs> because you can't see me because if I turn the light on, the, the people who I'm I'm looking at here that the stake out, they'll spot me. But I'm there. I'm here basking in how much knowledge I have. This is genuinely, genuinely, genuinely the worst you thing know, is you know, I, I watched him play with Toulon two <laughs> days ago. <laughs> like, I I have no like comeback for this. this and there's something that's not going to go. Who, who are else are playing? Anybody? It's like, well, anyway, lads, what about what about Connacht? Huh? Lads, Con- he said he said that Colby is playing for Toulouse. What an idiot! I'm going to just dismiss everything he says now. Oh, can you believe that? He plays for Toulon. I'm I'm a very smart guy, and I know this. So you know, I'm just gonna, so I'm just smart. gonna, I'm just gonna, SMRT. I'm just gonna edit that out. Like, uh, no, don't do it. I'm gonna cut out that whole piece. <laughs> I think as well because except because, except Tom, I'm actually gonna clip Tom going, "I'm so smart," and I'm gonna put it in after something he said. That's wrong. <laughs> I think actually because I got that right, we should change the name of the podcast to Three for Monster, like we'd agreed. Well. I, like I'm uploading it this week, so I can just call it three for monster. You can just can call it whatever it. you want. Yeah. And Owen can do nothing about it. No, I can, Jake, call, I can call it Owen Loves Leinster. He can't do anything. Jig Neville plus friends. The Jig Neville podcast <laughs> featuring Owen and Tom Sandwich. <laughs> right. One more game. We can do this. One no, no, game. no. Let, let, pr- predictions for Toulouse. Oh, yeah. Go I'm ahead, Owen. I'm going to go Toulouse and I think two, I think Colby, Colby are to get win. a hat trick. You're yeah, so Colby negative. Colby to get a hat trick. <laughs> so negative. Um, I'm going to go. Do you know what? Do you know what? You know what? Tom can you're, feel this coming. Oh, Do you know what? Do you know what? Yeah. I'm going to lose. Yeah. No, I'm not joking. I'm going Ulster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. I, th- I think Toulouse are going to win, but I reckon it's going to be a fairly tight game back and forward. I won't say this will be uh, decided properly until maybe the last 10, 15 minutes. I, I think Ulster are just going to throw the kitchen sink at this game. I almost said throw the toys out of the pram, but I know that's not the phrase to use in that situation. I've been brushing up on my phrases lately um, just for this podcast. So Jake Neville, phrase expert. Yeah, what was the one? I think they're going to nail their masts to the pole. And uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. that's how people know that there's real men of culture involved in this oh, podcast. But, but it's a fact. Like, I mean, you look at two, you look at two lose, you know, too many cooks, um, can't stand the heat. I'm gonna go Ulster. It's it's like interviewing Eddie O'Sullivan, get your ducks in a row type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like pulling a Mars bar out of a bucket of shit. <laughs> that was actually for those of you who aren't on the podcast, folks, or on the video, that's actually Eddie O'Sullivan. He just jumped <laughs> in there. Uh, it was such take, a take, perfect... take the timestamp, <laughs> take the timestamp, and we will send you a Mars bar. Yeah. How was that? Actually, do you know what, folks? Take that timestamp, send it in, and Tom will send you a mystery gift. I, I actually will send you a mystery gift because I've got some rubbish we got to get rid of here. Like I said, we're putting up curtains, so there, could be, just, there could be some old a, curtains there. I have a set of old curtains that needs a home. <laughs> take it, treasure it. I'll sign it. I'll, I'll treasure, for, I'll, treasure. I'll, hang it in your room. <laughs> I'll forge Jeff and Owen's name in it as well. It'll be great. Don't fr- don't frame them though, because they don't work well that way. They need to, they need to run free. Defeats the purpose of them, really. Oh, frame one, it. One more game across your window. Right. Let's go. 
we've Come got on, one more game to, to get through now on this one. So the women's Six Nations, uh, Ireland lost 40 points to five to France on Saturday with Ireland's only score coming via well-worked try scored by Eve Higgins. Um, maybe it's no surprise given the same team pretty much was named for the France match, but a lot of the same issues at the set piece re-emerged. Jeff, what did you make of this one? Um, I, I think we all knew it was going to be a difficult game. Let's not, you know, let's not lie about this one. And we all expected France to win. What I didn't really expect was the same problems we saw from the first game carry across in terms of the kicking game and the defense offset piece. And to be honest with you, I really didn't expect a lot of the comments after the game to be what they were, if that's fair enough. Um, in terms of the game itself, like, I mean, there was two tries within 10 minutes from Scrum D. There's, um, you know, problems with line-out defence, what to do off it. Uh, I felt the kicking game was poor. Like, there was one situation. And again, like I mentioned this last week about the kicking game as well, but, like, there was one there was one kick put through and it was put into four French defenders. Then it was box kicked back and then it was put out on the full. Um, I just think that in terms of the game plan that's been imposed, I think it's actually just flat out either there's confusion about it, about what to do where, because like, I mean, you're seeing kicks go in from the halfway line, but then you're seeing Ireland try to run it from their 22 later in the game. Um, I think it's a case of do players know what to do where or what's expected of them to do where. Um, I think there's probably confusion coming down in regards to the game plan. But in saying that, Ireland's two best pieces for me um, added up to in and around um, about three minutes in total. And it's when they kept ball in hand. Now, in the first half, it came off transition. France kicked to them and they just kept ball in hand and they kept possession for... I think it was a minute and 23 seconds or something like that, but I say, or something like that. It was exactly a minute and 23 seconds. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but they kept ball in hand and they looked really good. They looked absolutely like brilliant with ball in hand. And if we link that then with their try, they kept ball in hand for a minute and five seconds, went through phase after phase after phase. And eventually the pressure told. Now I said the exact same thing last week after the Wales game, when they kept ball in hand, it was brilliant. And in my eyes, this team should be looking to keep ball in hand. Now, don't get me wrong, exit properly, you know, in the red zone and don't play in your own 22 kind of thing, unless it's unless it's on, obviously. But like in the middle of the pitch, keep ball in hand, because that is genuinely what this Irish team seemed to do very, very well. Now, a couple of issues. I mean, you have a prop going 80 minutes for the second week in a row, including swapping sides. Do you trust the players on the bench? And if not, why are they there? Why are they there? Um, what it got me, not last week, whatever, Linda Dugan goes 80 minutes. Like it's rare, but it happens. But it's the fact she goes 80 minutes the following week, including swapping sides. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, hang on a second. And after the game, then in the post-match comments, you know, people, you know, talking and they say like, um, 
you know, what, what I'm just looking for the, the comment here um, from McWilliams. He says, after the Six Nations, they want to do more work with the front five. And I mean, why not do it now? Like, it's, it's going to be the best platform they have to learn. And even their scrum coach today, I was reading an interview with him and he said, even though the scrum went backwards at times, you learn an awful lot from it. Yet you're going to wait to bring players through after the Six Nations by scrummaging against underage teams instead. Like, I just don't see the logic there. Um, it's gen- I mean, like genuinely, I, I, I don't think anybody was expecting Ireland to win this Six Nations. So this, in, in a way, is kind of like a free shot where you get to develop people like that. And if there's not, you know, if you're not getting the full 80, if you're getting full 80 out of Linda Jugang, who's a great player, super, like, I mean, honestly, top player. I don't know. It just feels like a, an opportunity missed, really, for but it's, no it's, reason because they're losing the games anyway. It's it's not getting the full eighty out of her that bothered me at all by any stretch. It's the mm. fact that she went back to tight head. Yeah, as in like, why aren't you trusting the bench here? And if you're saying that you want to develop these players after the Six Nations, now's the time. What, what are you doing? Like, you know, what are you doing right now? And it's it's for me like like you look at you look at these players and you're thinking to yourself, like it must be hugely demoralizing for them to look at a 45 loss and not even come off the bench. Do you know? Yeah. Um, some of the comments as well after the game, I felt were a bit like, uh, I suppose just disbelieving really, to be honest with you. Like um, McWilliams said in another quote, he said, he said, right now, I think that their work defensively has been really good in both games. We're seeing a lot of double tackles. We're seeing good organization. We're seeing hunger. There's good impact tackles being made. I think it's quite fitting that he's actually in charge of defense and he's saying this, but like you look at the game, you ship 40 points. Like, yeah, there's double tackles going in, but I mean, your organization off scrum D was poor for the second week in a row. Like, um, you know, another one he said was like, I felt that we could have let the game get away from us. And the fact that we didn't is something I'm really proud of. I mean, the game did get away from them, though, didn't it? 40 points. Like, when yeah. when does it start getting away from you? Um, yeah, I, 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 I get from their perspective, like they're like they're going to try to go out there and build something a bit different, I suppose. And you could see elements like like their multi-phase game. But again, like looking at some of their numbers from last week um, and, and I think you'll see more this week now. Uh, with you know two games done, I'll be getting some of the metrics on it during the week. Like Ireland just seemed kind of very middle of the road, and like we expected a lot of kicking, and they did kick a lot, of, a lot of ball here. Uh, I'm just again, I'm I'm not seeing the cohesion that you would expect from a team that was again the same team week on week. Didn't seem to be too much of an improvement there. Um, I don't know, just like I, 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 I again, I didn't want to be leveraging too much expectation on them, but. I just felt that uh, you would have expected to see a little bit more from them in this game. And while the, the tries they scored were not, or like the, like the, the try you described there was, was, was good and showed what they can do, multi-phases where they need to be. I just think that it was just like, again, difficult for them to be the, uh, to be what they want to be from a structural perspective. I just don't feel that it worked. And I felt that their, um, their overall game, I think is just very unpolished. And it just seems to be very well, scattered. I mean, I'm like, did the comparison last week where I said this Irish team is very much like Connacht, and I, 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 it just reinforced it. The French game reinforced it. They're trying to play a lovely 
stylish brand and when it works it is fantastic but when it doesn't work it gets damn ugly right and you're expecting a lot out of the players connect are a professional side that are training day in day out on this and that is their primary focus you're talking about in a lot of cases amateur players here and you're asking them to come in and play a brand new style with this which is starting off and if this Six Nations is any more than an experiment for McWilliams and the team to see, you know, to see where they stand before they start to rebuild fully, that's fine. But if it's if it's an experiment that they're going through now, if they're going to continue this on, it's going to be very painful and potentially for a long time until they, things start to come together. I think you've actually hit two things on the nail. No, what's the? Uh, I've done it. You have hit the nail on the head. That's the one. Yeah, you've you've do nails of hits. Nails. Yes. What? Yes. That can't be the phrase. Hit the nail. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head. It's called yeah. the flat. The head and the nail. Well, yeah. Your technical terms are coming up there. Hit the nail on the flat bit there, on right. Hit, hit, hit the nail with the hammer. <laughs> but don't use your hands because that that really hurts. You, you said there like that these players are trying to incorporate um, a new playing style. So since they played that game, they don't meet together fully in the high performance center until Thursday. Yeah. So suddenly you've got five days after a game, you're coming together to review a game. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I know there's games were up on Huddle probably and there's WhatsApp texts and there's WhatsApp groups and there's different groups for front row, second row. I get this, like, don't get me wrong. But sitting down to review a game as a unit, what went wrong here, there, how do we actually work on it as a unit? You're not doing that till five days later. Like, that's a big ask. Like, that's a massive that's- ask. But that's that's the amateur environment that they're in, and I think a lot of people almost don't don't consider that when when they're looking at it. They they almost consider it by default is oh they'll be in on the the Sunday or the Monday or whatever it is for recovery and go through a you know a video analysis and they'll do whatever. It's not the professional game that they're in, and then they're expected as you said they'll come together maybe on a Thursday or whatever. They'll give up their time. They'll go through it. So implementing this sort of different expansive game plan and trying to make it work in a low cohesion environment which is very difficult yep it's very difficult like if you're asking so much and this is like this is from a guy sitting in his car in a stakeout here um like you'd wonder like i know that they play an element of kick pressure as well but some of the stuff i've seen even some of the the clips we were looking at there jeff like the, the, the kicking game hasn't been what it needs to be either. Like you can play oh, no. a low preparation, low cohesion, kick pressure game. But Ireland aren't really doing that. And the, st- and the, the style of play that Ireland are going with, with like, I mean, and, and I, I, I do get what they're trying to do. Like you've got two facilitating halfbacks whose main job is pass quality and extending the play and expending the width of, of, of the, the area where Ireland are playing with. That's why I think their, their 10 is a 12. The cohesion you need and the minutes you need to put that in, is that possible in the environment that the Irish women are currently playing in? I would say it's incredibly difficult. And And I would say, sorry to cut across you, I'd say it's even more difficult when you don't have the size and the physicality in the tight five and off the set piece to give you a platform for even launch plays. Yeah, like because I again when I see them going on about like and it, they did have the most amount of dominant tackles I think listed on the on the the, the TikTok Six Nations, um, I see them like I I, I kind of I work that in there almost like we're being sponsored by TikTok, 
which we're not. I hear TikTok are coming on board to this podcast. I I I hear that too from you just there. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it as I said it. If if you're if you're trying to make me dance for any of those videos, the deal is off. Yes, we want to see it. I get to see the song. Provincial state of mind TikTok account starting off tomorrow. I can't. I can't work TikTok. It's me singing hymns. Um, what the with TikTok? I just find you can just put up all the videos you'd never put up on um on Twitter because they get your site your your Twitter account nuked. So that's oh, what I do. That that's the, yes, that's what I do with TikTok. But yeah, no, I I think that with their they, they seem to be looking to back their defense, but I think that their defense at the moment isn't what it needs to be. The breakdown work doesn't isn't what it needs to be, and the defensive lineout I don't think isn't what it needs to be to play a game where they kick as much as they do. It just seems like a bit like what we spoke about with Scotland, I think back a couple of weeks ago, where they seem to be trying to do a little bit of everything and in a low cohesion environment where you don't have the the time on field, literally, I think it becomes very difficult to play that successfully. I think it even comes back to general play though, because there's a moment in the first half, I think it's I think it's in around maybe the 15th minute. I have the clip here in the laptop somewhere, but um it's 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 in the first 20 minutes anyway, definitely. Um but Ireland are in their own half. The pass goes back to Stacey Flood from Cronin. And Flood gets absolutely melted as she's trying to throw the pass from the French 12. And if you just go back and watch it, like, yeah, it's a good read from the French 12. Don't get me wrong. It's an absolutely smashing tackle um, from her as well. But if you if you go back and watch it, it's Cronin as she has the ball in hand and she's readying herself to throw the pass. She has two screen runners running off her. Both screen runners are actually ahead of the ball by the time she's ready to throw the pass. Yeah. Which means the defender is looking at that going, well, they're not getting it. I'm just going to bounce through onto the threat. And she yeah, they're, they're dead on the plate. Yeah. She absolutely lines float up and just goes through her. Like, and it's one of those hits where you see the initial hit, but it's almost like there's a second hit. I don't know, is that like the best way to describe it? But like, it's a monster of a hit. And Flood's down for ages afterwards. Like, But it's even little things like that, like just getting tight. Now, Flood is probably a bit deep off that too. Don't get me wrong, she's meant to be flatter it's not just two screen runners fault but as as like a one phase thing there like that cohesion there it's just not there and if you go back and watch it as well as um if you go back and watch the 80 minutes off nine off 10 there's no screen passes there's no screen runners that like that style of play just they don't have the time to bring that in and when you're against a team like france who have a good strong blitz and d and England will be the same. Absolute monsters running at you all the time at speed, as we saw against Italy there on a like on the weekend. You're gonna need something like a screen pass or just something like that, just to get a second layer of attack, maybe even a third layer of attack, just to take that pressure off. So your 10, your 12, whatever, whoever's first receiver just isn't throwing passes knowing that they're being lined up straight away, just to to, to buy them that time and it's 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 just a very difficult environment and we said it already like they played the game on saturday and they're not together till thursday and yet they have to implement a structure that works for a game then on uh on sunday i mean even even within that you talk about it they have to they have to dissect what's happened try and fix it and implement a new game plan within 
sort of 24 or 48 hours. That in itself is going to be near impossible to do. Um, so if we look ahead to the Italy game, they play uh, Italy on Sunday in uh, Munsgrave Park. How do we think that's going to finish up? Tom, I'll let you go quickly on this. Uh, I think it'll be difficult for uh, for Ireland to, to recover. Um, Italy are, are pretty decent. I know they've, they, they haven't had a, a, the greatest start. Um, but I think looking at where uh, Ireland are weak and struggling, but you know what? I, I think looking at being being at home, I think elements of simplifying what they do could really help them in this game. Italy struggle a little bit defensively. Uh, Ireland multi-phase will back themselves to try and get the, the 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 possession that they've shown. They get over five or six phases, they score tries. That like that that's how it's worked for Ireland so far. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But I think looking at um just how they've performed the last two weeks, I think it'll be like I think a narrow narrow Irish win. I'm going to go for a, a narrow Irish win as well, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for an Irish win. I think people will have seen Italy there at the weekend against England can see 12 tries and say to themselves, oh, Ireland will have no problem now against Italy. Italy and Ireland are actually probably more evenly matched than people think. Um, and in regards conceding 12 tries against England, as it stands from what we've seen, England could probably score... 12 tries against Ireland as well um, so it, it's they're a lot more evenly matched I do think that we're not going to see that many changes at all uh, in the team and I said that last week and there was no changes at all uh, I think this week we'll see maybe two one or two uh, I think I think he's looking for cohesion and McWilliams won't find that with chopping and changing. So I think for the third week in a row, we're going to see more or less the same team going out. Um, who I'd like to see, I suppose, and who we will see are two very different things. And again, horses for courses. We say that all the time about selection on this podcast, but I do think it will be an Ireland win. Um, I hope to see a lot more ball in hand. If they do kick it, I just hope to see a kicking game. Like, I mean, you have... A left-footed 12 as well, if Flood starts at 12 again, which I think she will, you have a left-footed 12, which is a luxury to have in any team. So it's a case of, you know, if that kicking game is being used, I hope we see it used probably to better effect. But overall, I do see an Ireland win um, this weekend. Okay, well, that's three Ireland wins. Um, the last, the last time we said three Ireland wins, Wales won. So you're welcome, Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> well look I'm, I'm sure to do something to get over their uh, disappointment of the French game they can join me in listening to girl bands for the sugar babes or something like that so we'll round it up there folks sugar Thank babes are really much. good actually yeah, that's I, not, yeah do, you know, do you know the Saw Doctors one they co- or the, the Saw Doctors covered the sugar babe song do you know round round oh the... hole in the head oh Jesus about you now that, that one, the, yes, 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 yes. Now, yes. Um, absolute belter of a tune when the Sugar Babes sing. I didn't really like Saw Doctors one, but that was Sugar Babes, wasn't it? It was Sugar Babes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute belter. That's, this is where my my sort of nineties um. I love it. Like a, a very scholarly way to say there, it it was the Sugar Babes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This this would be my sort of mastermind. I wrote <laughs> my doctorate on that. <laughs> 
Right, we'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen, as it really helps. And also be sure to share the podcast on social media and give us feedback on what you'd like to hear more or less of. Hope you have a good weekend. Your provincial team wins and the three of us will be back next week to chat again.